Welcome to another episode of Monster Dear Monster. I am one of your co-hosts, Dave. I'm here with Matt and returning guest, Stephen. Uh, how are you doing, Matt? I'm good. Uh, hello, everyone. Altman be praised. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm good. I'm in my uh, backup recording studio because, uh, you know, when you get this big, you know, you have backup studios, uh, right. namely, the, namely the mother-in-laws <laughs> due to yeah. other technical issues. Got chased out of the, the Badger Holt? Yeah, the Badger Holt is, uh, <laughs> yeah, on lockdown at the moment. <laughs> so I'm in the reserve Badger's Holt, the, uh, yeah, the mother-in-laws. You know, it serves a purpose, but I'm probably covered in, like, garden matter at the moment because I've, I've been gardening all day and chopping wood i felt like a man earlier i've been like sawing yeah. wood and stuff getting proper man points um <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah apart from that all good how are you Stephen? uh substantially less manly <laughs> no i've just been playing deus ex all day <laughs> well that, that's fine that's fine but did, have you been killing everyone or stealthing it no i uh i'm doing the uh the pacifist no detection oh. All ebooks run. Oh, okay, because right. okay. I hate so, yeah. myself. Yeah, oh, I just yeah. you know punch through walls and hide. I do. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you know what? Deus Ex doesn't have monsters. Hey, it does not. It doesn't have any monsters unless you unless you count as the monster. But you're mean, not. I, you're being a pacifist. Yeah, 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 fine. Monster, just, yeah. no monsters. Yeah. True. Yeah, don't have any of those monsters, but another game does. Yes, that's right. Uh, there's many. <laughs> Dead Space. <laughs> there's monsters there. Yeah, yeah. We found a few. I, I think somewhere yeah. around in there. Mm. Yeah. Actually, how are you, Dave? Before we carry on. Uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. It's uh, it's kind of it's intermittently raining here, um, so I'm just extra tired. Makes me sleepy. Got my coffee though. <laughs> right, nice. But otherwise, good. I'm, uh, cool. Excited to be covering another episode. Definitely. So that dead space. That dead space. <laughs> that was dead space right there. <laughs> that was right there. We're done. Man. Yeah, that was yeah. an example of so, it. Yeah, to one. set the mood. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's dead air. That's you know, oh right, talking. okay. No, fair confused. enough. Technicalities. We were too close to the marker. Uh-huh. That'll happen. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're taking a look at some of the multimedia around the um, game franchise. Uh, our our first uh, order of business um, is the novel um, Dead Space Martyr, which serves mm. as the prequel to the first game. Uh, actually, both pieces we're covering are a prequel to the first game. <laughs> this yeah. one's just like <laughs> yeah. 200 years earlier. Yep. So, um, did you guys, uh, have you read this before or was this the first time you, you read the novel, Matt? Uh, first time I've read this novel was for this particular episode. Um, I mean, Dead Space in general, it's not, it's a franchise that, I'm fairly, well, semi-familiar with. I've not really played too much of the games. Uh, not for particularly any reason, because they're sort of the games that I should like, because I like horror games, not too 
not like Alien Isolation. I'm still, I'm still <laughs> working my way up to games like that. But, um, but as a franchise, it's something I should get more into. But for whatever reason, it's just never really. I've never really sat down to try and play too much of them. Like I said I've got fairly into the first game, but not much more than that. So, um, so I went quite blind into reading this, but I thought actually this sort of makes sense. Put you know, putting aside the, the actual podcast, I thought it made sense for me to to read this because it hopefully will well it has sparked me into uh, listening or sorry uh, to start playing the games themselves and get into the actual lore of it because it's actually a really fascinating. Uh, franchise actually and the whole law behind it so no actually i think it's a book it's it's really good i'm yeah definitely glad i read it how about you steven uh yeah i actually um i think i think it was around the time just before dead space 2 came out um i found out that there was a book for dead because i really liked the first game but i you know I didn't, so that was pretty neat um and then the marketing and all that stuff started ramping up for the second game. So I replayed the first one and really got into what was going on with the story. I'm like, man, that's interesting. So I just I hopped online and, and just to see if maybe they had, you know, if they had a book, if they had uh, movies or anything like that. And I saw this. So I read this actually just before the second game came out. Uh, I don't know when the book was published in context with that. But that was, you know, whenever the whenever the second game dropped about six months before that i uh i read through it and i really liked it and um i'm not a huge fan of uh, of most video game novelizations because they kind of read more as uh, in my mind i can't separate them from fan fiction a lot of the time <laughs> i'm like yeah i guess this is fine but like this kind of sounds like something i'd make up <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's, you know I don't mean to disparage other people's work. I shouldn't do that. But at the same time, I am. No, uh, you're right. This, <laughs> yeah. um, but this book is, like you said, it's actually, I think it's actually pretty well written. And yeah. um, it's also very interesting because I wasn't expecting, I was expecting to read about how a man became to believe in what he was doing and start this religion. And I was like, oh, okay, this will be interesting. But it actually turned out it's like this whole other really sinister government like cover up thing that I just didn't know about. Uh, and that made me like way more interested in what was going to be going on with the Church of Unitology uh, moving forward in the fiction. Because this book, like, I think they talk about it a little bit in the second game. And I'm pretty sure they reveal the twist at the end of this book. Um, in the third game, but unless you're really paying attention, you wouldn't know that Unitology was built on a lie through the three games, um, which I think is actually like really interesting to leave such a huge part of the fiction in this book. Unless I could be totally missing something from the games <laughs> that I just didn't see. I'm talking out of my ass, which I tend to do. But uh, no, I love this book, and I, I read it. This is the I I read it uh, previously, like I said, uh, it was either early this year or late last year because uh, I started another podcast that was going to have a very different format where um, I was going to break down the lore of different games and Dead Space was going to be the first one. So I actually just very recently read through this again uh, nice. for the second or third time. I think actually as well is that what's good about this book is, especially from my perspective in the sense that I don't know until we, this episode had much knowledge of the Dead Space franchise and the lore behind it, is that it's quite good as a book, putting aside it being a video game. I think if you, yeah. what I mean is if you like sci-fi or, you know, sort of 
religious or you know any sort of story like this that i think you know if you gave the book to someone said oh would you fancy reading this it's actually a good read regardless of whether you know it's actually connected to a video game because you, you really wouldn't to be fair it's actually quite good as an isolated novel mm-hmm. dave what about you is this the first time you read it uh, no um i read this maybe about a year uh after it came out so this was uh written in uh, 2010. I probably read it in 2011 or, or thereabouts. Um, yeah, as a standalone, I think that's why this novel works is because it, uh, it's a tie-in to the games, but it's not an adaptation of the games. And that's where a lot of these books fail um, when you're trying to, I guess, especially some of the, like the first person um, genre, the FPS genre of video games, the stories tend to be a little bit um, sparse uh, and the authors are left to either fill in the void or um, work off of information that the, like the developers provided to them uh, and maybe are set, you know, within certain limits, like don't, don't cross X, you know, line or, you know, B and, you're free to work within that. Um, this doesn't do that. This specifically sets up, it's really about um, uh, the character of Michael Altman and how, yeah, how you talked about but how he came to be the prophet of unitology um, uh, uh, unwillingly or, or not. Yeah. <laughs> um, Very unwillingly. <laughs> and uh, what's, what's really neat is they, I guess the part that works for these books is when they get an author that's an established um, name uh, in writing other, uh, you know, fiction or otherwise. Um, this is um, B.K. Evenson, and previously, they, looking at his um, bibliography or his body of works, and I'm not really familiar with too many of them, but he did previously write um, an Aliens. Uh, no Exit is the, the book. Um, oh, okay. That's why I've seen his name before. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And he's okay. done a few others that I don't recognize the title, but they look like they're part of um, other adaptations. Uh, now, he did write Dead Space Catalyst, which I haven't read. Um, but based on his work in Martyr, I, I'd certainly be willing to give that a, a gander. Yeah, definitely. Oh, and he actually, he wrote the Lords of Salem uh, novel off of the Rob Zombie movie. Oh, oh right. So, wow. <laughs> also, maybe I'll take a look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Another reason why we um, t- do, you know, do this podcast is to kind of branch our interest out um, into mm-hmm. you know, relevant things. And um, yeah, it's, it's always nice. nice to find some, you know, new piece of media uh, author or um, director of a movie and kind of look at their filmography and see if there's something cool there. And uh, yeah. well, we found some. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, exactly. We just get to geek out on it basically, mm-hmm. don't we? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, I mean, the book itself is really solid. Um, mm. uh, I played... I don't even know, maybe 10 minutes of the first game. And <laughs> wow. I think just due to uh, where I was at in life and um, my my time for being able to play video games and, be, you know, I'm essentially at, at that time monopolizing the TV um, in the, uh, the household I was in. And I don't know, I just felt like a game I needed to be able to play for 
a certain amount of time and just having a few minutes here and there just wasn't going to do it. And uh, it's actually pretty scary. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> I, I was just it's like, also, okay, yeah, I'll, maybe I'll long. play this later. Yeah, like it's super long for how, and it mm-hmm. sustains that intensity throughout. So it is, it's not a good fun time. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could feel that just from the get go. Um, and I think now, in hindsight, I, I do want to get back to these. But again, as, as we pointed out, um, you have to have the, the, the previous gen systems to, to play them, and then the spinoffs yeah. I think are on the Wii and. Don't the, play the DS or something. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I've, I've read <laughs> poor, poor reviews of them. I'm more interested in like the the metaverse, all these um, side the, the films and the books, uh, the games. I mean, yeah, it's that tense fight the whole way through, and you're basically if you're trying to get after the lore, you're you're hunting for it. You know, in between these parts where you you're probably you know not necessarily feeling like you're safe. Um, Thankfully, there's been a lot of uh, fan uh, Wikipedia's and information already out there, so you can do the the lore dives, you know, uh, oh, yeah. without having to invest the time and the sanity <laughs> playing these games. <laughs> they are backwards compatible as well on the Xbox ah, One. Ah, okay. So, there oh well, there you go, Dave. There we go. Hint, um, hint, hint. Maybe I'll take a crack at them. <laughs> at least uh, part one and two. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, the thing is, I think, because I'm in the same boat as you, Dave, where I've played a little bit more, but not much more. But I think after read, well, watching the film, the animated movie as well, but especially reading this book, it's made me appreciate the game more or what I'm going to get into. Because I think the problem is for a lot of people anyway, and especially what I read online and, and myself included, back in the day when I attempted to try and play it, it just came across as resident evil in space and i thought you know that which is not again it's not about behind it that i never knew existed i thought oh it's morphing you know tearing people apart you got to survive you know this whole unitology and black marker and everything behind it i never knew existed and i think like i said now go you know like you you know potentially going back into the games i'm going to fully appreciate them more you know for knowing you know and reading this book definitely and I, I know we're, we con- you concentrate more on the on the lore side of stuff uh, on this podcast, but there's something that whenever I recently went back and played back through all of them uh, again, that um, the way that the story, the mechanics, and the design of the monsters all kind of tie in together because like they have a great lore reason for why the monsters look the way that they do, and it's so they you know they can. They can very efficiently tear people apart to make more dead bodies, to make more necromorphs, all that yeah. stuff. But then also, like, the mechanic of the best way to kill them is to cut off of their limbs. So then they design the monsters to have these odd appendages that look very creepy but also serve this really great mechanical purpose within the gameplay. Um, I think these games have actually – so finding out they're actually backwards compatible is awesome because these games have aged super well. Uh, as far as like gameplay and and tying everything as being this whole piece, taking all of the fiction and everything together, it's actually I think uh, I'm honestly surprised like this isn't more popular and people aren't calling for this to get you know some kind of you know reboot or something like that. Like it's kind of a bummer to see that the demand is down on Dead Space lately. Money anymore? I guess yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> like that would ever happen. Well, EA's busy <laughs> with Star Wars. So. True. It's fine. That's more money. Yeah, and um, I mean, look how old this is now. Um, yeah. It's not a. It's not a, even a fresh franchise. We're looking at. It's getting close to being like ten years old. Yeah, ten year anniversary. Right, let's go. <laughs> yeah, let's do the special edition <laughs> HD remaster. I'd, All I'd, right, I'd, I'd pick that up. I would. All right, Sam. So sorry, <laughs> didn't mean to get off on that tangent. This is no, just something fine. I noticed um, coming back and really examining <laughs> these things. How cool everything was! Like Dead Space, so good. Yeah, I mean, again, <laughs> that's why we're uh, we're taking a look at it. Damn right. So let's dig into the. I guess the, the the narrative, the plot of uh, Martyr. We'll just do a mm-hmm. little uh, overview. Um, as we have established, the, uh, the the book is centered around um, Michael Altman, uh, who is the, uh, or ostensibly is the founder of the Church of Unitology. Um, Stephen, what is this? What is this church all about? Uh, I mean, it's like, it is a very thinly veiled, uh, just in the first game, it's a very thinly veiled, um, uh, uh, kind of take on Scientology. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's, it's very much just kind of poking fun at that a little bit, but at the same time, like, I think I've always, I keep reminding myself and I keep forgetting what like their modus operandi really like what they say it is but it's kind of just all about like it's it's centered around these markers and that eventually uh they live like this life free of like material needs and all this stuff like that because eventually there's going to be this ascension uh into godhood some of them say godhood and then some of them just say like this afterlife um depending i guess on the different denominations of unitology um and uh, they, in any time that an outbreak happens, which happens a lot for uh, religion to keep going, like like I mean, like you could make some valid arguments, I I think against most religions because of the way how people have used them to for their own means and stuff like that. But like this religion kind of keeps cropping up around where monsters eventually show up and like murder a bunch of people. <laughs> And people are still cool with unitology. <laughs> but <laughs> I think it's like, come on, guys. But I think that reflects, you know, religion. You know, I don't want to get too much into a debate on this. But I guess, yeah, it, I didn't mean to make this so serious, guys. I'm no, 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 no. It's, it's it's a, it's, no, but it's a valid point because it does parallel, you know, religions that we have in real, you know, in real life is in the sense that you, they, and again, I'm not, there's no bash, you know, a little disclaimer. There's no bashing well, I'm, here. At I'm all. a pretty religious person. So like, I'm the first one to say like, yeah, it's been pretty bad in the past. <laughs> no, but what I mean is that the, the church of unitology in this is a corrupted, you know, is effectively a corrupted, uh, sect, which, you know, to get its own way, which is how some religions are seen. Again, I'm not saying that is the case. I'm again, I'm doing this from a very neutral point perspective that, you know, they're seen as, like I said, as corrupt and you have part fanaticism as well included mm-hmm. in that. And again, that's, you know, especially as we see in the, in the novel as well, that that's a very, you know, becomes a very prominent feature again, based on very little, because, you know, for, for some uh, non-religious people, uh, again, in real life, that when people are quite religious, it's the people do struggle to understand why they, you know, have, have that belief again, not, not in a critical, you know, crit, you know, any criticism towards that, but 
it's again i think this whole situation with the church of Unitology sort of almost mocks it in a way it's sort of almost yeah. showing you the bad side of 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 religion which you know is is there for some people but again for a lot of people there's a lot of good in religion as well so it's you know it it's definitely tipped towards that side of things which which again makes sense because of obviously the subject matter and the killings and the barker and everything. Again, if they were a great loving religion that was, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. They've obviously, you know, taken the, uh, the negative, you know, comment or potential negative connotations that are associated with religion and, and just, you know, just run riot with it. But again, it's, I think what, what I found quite interesting when I, especially when reading the novel is that the people that do start to turn, becoming believers and especially the ones that become quite fanatical with it that again it's based on very little in the novel in the sense that they're just there's not much to it it's, there's not much background to it uh, or sorry their belief is sort of potentially you know you think wait a minute why why have you all become become a fanatic you weren't like that before it's, it's and again you see that in in real life you know with other people so it's it, you know again it's not a bad thing it's quite an interest in how they've sort of slightly mirrored it in the novel and, and obviously, you know, continues it throughout in the rest of the games as well. Yeah. Um, what's nice is the, between, um, this particular novel and the, um, the film we'll cover, you get a good cross section of these unitologists. Uh, it's not just fanatics. Um, it's like Mm. the, the rank and file, um, as well. And yeah, so they're, their core belief is that this this alien artifact, this marker, um, holds a knowledge that's meant to like ascend mankind, um, grant immortality, or um, basically level the the field and everyone's made equal. Um, because there's this idea of convergence that is alluded to uh, throughout the novel and never explained. Um, no. outright. So the the unitologists and characters in general are operating on limited view. I mean, they're basically yeah. presented these um, feelings and thoughts uh, that are sort of forced upon them um, by the marker. It's, it's generating a pulse, so a wave of energy that affects the human mind. They're seeing visions of uh, dead loved ones that are um, basically telling them to not listen to the marker and to, to don't study it, um, send it back to where you, from, from where it came, um, which is a strange contrast to what the marker itself we find is trying to achieve. And I, I believe in the, in the book, um, they say that there's two, uh, sort of opposed fields of energy that this marker generates. One is the the concept of you know leave it alone, and the other is that intense like attraction that it forces upon people and makes them want to study it and want to offer their their bodies um, to it. Yeah, absolutely. Which again is could be seen as sort of almost like an analogy for religion in general, you know, where there's people that distance themselves from it. And then there's people that, you know, 
bathe themselves in it and and you know fully get involved in it so yeah i think yeah i think it's a, it's a good way of looking at it to be fair i think yeah. the more yeah, sorry carry on Stephen. no go ahead go ahead finish your point. no that's sorry. it i was i was wrapping up sorry <laughs> carry on my bad um no i was gonna say just like because it is on its face, it would be weird to be like, oh, yeah, this religion just kind of starts in like a period of I can't remember exactly how, how much time the, the book itself covers. But I mean, less than a year. It's yeah, it's, it's like maybe yeah, about, about two, three months. Yeah. Um, so like and this, like religion, this religious movement gets founded within that very, very condensed amount of time, like its own entire religion. But I think that and it'd be easy to be like, oh, it's just dumb fiction or these people are stupid. But it's like the that coupled like there is something going on with the marker and i mean you know i think we as people like i mean this is you know as this is maybe the whoever was writing you know not necessarily this author but the person who came up with the dead space story in and of itself uh you know wanted to play off the fact that we as humanity like to believe and things so if we actually found this marker that's showing us visions of people that we loved that are gone now i mean i think that would be actually pretty easy uh for something this kind of religious experience to have a following uh center around it very quickly yeah uh i think my only issue with that is the entire time like 99 percent of these visions that people are getting uh it's consistently telling them not to study the marker. Like, don't do it. It's a bad thing. And no one, like, bar none, uh, aside from our, our uh, protagonist, um, yep. is, like, they're doing the opposite of that. Like, these are your your cherished people, and they're saying, don't do this. It's a bad thing. And they're like, okay, that sounds like a great idea. Um, because eventually, <laughs> the that second wave... Um, of the marker is sort of c- corrupting uh, that thought and mm-hmm. people's brains are omitting pieces of the message um, that, that these, you know, they're not real ghosts, but these constructs are telling them. And it's saying that wh- where the ghost is saying, don't, don't look at the marker. Um, that, that other part of the energy is saying, is kind of going, look at the marker. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, converting that message into what it wants it's quite odd actually because when especially when you look at the fact of the people primarily that in the novel you're dealing with where most of them are in a scientist of some form so you've got a few parallels in the sense you've got one aspect where obviously in people that are in you know the scientists always trying to put generally are trying to push the boundaries discover more learn more which is what a lot in the context of this is what they're trying to do with the marker. Even though, like you said, they've, they're being told by, you know, their hallucinations and such, like, you know, leave it alone, that they just want to carry on pushing it. No, I'm going to look into this. I'm going to see what it's all about. Um, but then on the flip side of that, again, be it them being scientists, again, it's the whole science versus religion thing comes into it as well in the sense that, that he, again, for a lot of scientists who, you know, it depend, again, depending on what field they do, uh, you know, are looking at things from a, a obviously, an obviously a scientific point of view as opposed to a religious point of view. So their beliefs as a scientist are being, 
are being challenged as well as by this and in some cases it's being almost evaporated where they're going from literally a you know a, a scientist that you know is all about reasoning and and you know and the the things that they've found through their research to being you know potential you know fanatics through it as well so you've got a few power you know odd you know lanes of uh, thought there as well which makes it i think it makes it more interesting oh yeah i'm sure i <laughs> I was definitely always confused because it does seem like um, there's like weird conflicting like even like I, it, obviously it's done on purpose because it's what's been written um, but it always plays as though it's like this like weird um, mistake in the story that's like well is it bad or is it good like is it telling people to stay away or is it telling them to come study it um, I always I mean I don't Again, I could be wrong. I could have missed something, uh, but I always took that as the initial wave that is sent out um, is gets a filter because, I mean, the marker in and of itself doesn't know um, what these pe- who these people's loved ones are. I feel like it was always just picking things out of their mind that it knows that they have attachments to and then showing it to them. So it's their brain kind of filtered over that vision. It's projecting out saying like, hey, this isn't right. Like whatever this is isn't good, and then the marker is obstructing that message with the second wave. Yeah, um, that, yeah. I don't. Again, that, that's just how I read it. So I, I don't know. <coughs> that's what it seems. And then I, yeah. um, I don't remember if it's in the the movie or the book. I think it's in the book uh, where it's either a narrative structure or um, Altman, but. They're saying that the the visions that you're seeing um, isn't really uh, the marker. What that is is the last vestige of a defense that humanity um, has in their that mind, is- like trying to protect you from the, the, the wave. Um, because yeah. according to this novel, the, the marker basically created all life on Earth. Due to its, I don't know, its genetic um, altering um, properties, yeah, to serve its own end, um, in, you know, in some distant uh, timeline, because it, it obviously doesn't care <laughs> about time. <laughs> so that's uh, that's the general thrust of the plot: is um, scientists uncover um, this ancient artifact. Um, un- uh, in a crater uh, beneath the ocean and yeah. um, their intent um, on studying it and the military's involved and basically want to weaponize um, any data um, that could be gleaned um, from this artifact. And um, it's the, the journey of one man to figure out if he's going to, throw everything he has into studying this or um, into stopping other people from studying it. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, the reason Altman is, uh, I think they call him the, uh, the unwilling prophet or whatever <laughs> religion. Yeah. I think they actually call him that. They do. Um, yeah. And uh, he's actually like the only person, once they actually get down to the crater, they find the marker. He's the only person who's not suffering from the effects of the marker. Like he has visions, but something in him kind of makes him immune to its detrimental psychological effects. 
I think it's his pure. I think it's his lack of belief. I think it. it yeah. I think if you read it, sort of it. Well, it sin- insinuates it in the novel, but I think if you read further into it, it is definitely. Which again, I think is a reflection of of human nature of all certain people where they're you know they're so adverse to something you know and again what like i was saying previously about the whole um science versus religion you know obviously there's there's that part of him where he's like no this cannot be happening this is not right there's no this doesn't make any sense and obviously that pure will even though it's not deliberate oh he's not deliberately willing that that's not his opinion to ward away its effects it's just a it's just a byproduct of obviously the fact that's how he, how he, his mind works and his in his beliefs, etc. So, I think that's quite an interesting. And again, it it he's because effectually he's, he's a he's a nosy Parker, isn't he? Really, he's just at the start of the novel. He's just a, he's you know because obviously the the ho- a big part of the novel is the the pulse and the signal that they discover, which obviously eventually becomes the the marker. And he you know he just gets involved. He just he's just like. Mm. There's something not right about this, which again is another another reflection of human nature. Where again, we, especially from a scientific point of view, we want to go right. What's all this about? That doesn't feel right. That's not, um, you know. So there's a lot of there's a lot of a reflection on him of different ver- you know different versions of human nature, but also they they either traditionally mold together or in some ways they conflict with each other which makes him quite an interesting character even though he, he is quite simple in his in, in his, effect his motivation um yeah he's i think uh wants to look at the whole picture uh for everything you know he's he's not he's not laser focused on one thing he wants to know like the whole of it and he's um, he's not willing to uh, excuse or ignore um, effects that something has. You know, he's taking that into consideration and maybe not um, personally delving into um, what other things are doing because he, you know, it does show that he has conflict with his um, his girlfriend who tell you know he's just telling him. Uh, throughout various of the shenanigans that he gets into to kind of keep it, you know, keep his nose out of something that looks troublesome. Um, and yeah. he, you know, he wants to investigate something when there's a problem. But I think at the heart of it, he can see that there's a problem and he's willing to like entertain that's that um, face value isn't the way to like investigate these things. Yeah. Um, but you know, regardless, ultimately, unfortunately, he, um, still does, uh, fall prey to the markers, um, wants, uh, as we see, like everyone (laughs) ultimately doing throughout this franchise, you don't, uh, it's, uh, it's not a happy story. Yeah. Spoiler kind or yeah. yeah. The world kind of ends at the end yeah. of all of it. <laughs> it's not yeah. a good time for anyone. But uh, I like that because uh, the one thing about unitology and the marker, like obviously the markers are what their effects are, are bad. But um, throughout the fiction, they kind of do like this really fun back and forth with both unitology and the markers, at least up until the um, – the uh the the last game that like maybe they could actually be okay it's just us messing with them is bad or like maybe unitology isn't so bad um and so like it is they 
do have like it always ends up really bad and i mean in the end i mean it's pretty obvious that marker is very scary looking it is not good um <laughs> yeah yeah um, this is like the ultimate yeah. case of leave well enough alone and don't yeah don't touch <laughs> things that you don't know what they are and don't don't do science <laughs> don't Which study anything like <laughs> this is Even actually alone, kind uh, of a really cool out like really stretched out really like bloated out uh, lovecraftian kind of love it's like a lovecraft story really yeah like, this is this is don't happened. delve into you, you you've looked too far into the abyss um, yeah and it it didn't just stare back it you know it came stab back it came back <laughs> for you so uh i don't know it's uh it's great in its own way and it's also like horrifying um it's a oh, yeah. that makes for a good horror i mean this is it's well grounded in things that people don't like um as far as what makes you feel uncomfortable that's the whole uh i guess concept behind uh, the, the, the the monsters we eventually deal with um yeah uh the monster is in fact man uh, or yeah. any uh yep. Sort of anything that can as a, eventually as be dead. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's the ultimate case of man turning against himself, yeah, or itself. It, and it, again, it reflects that we are always getting involved in things we shouldn't. We can't help ourselves, and this is what happens. <laughs> we get torn apart. <laughs> yeah, and then men, torn mentally, apart <laughs> mentally, physically, <laughs> everything. Yeah, um, there's a lot of really cool uh, body horror built into yep. this oh, um, wow, from, from the get-go. Um, it's, uh, I don't know, uh, I realized uh, okay. in looking at um, these necromorphs and uh, how they propagate, um, I don't think I understood that I have a sort of a fear of not needles, but um, basically in any kind of game or situation or movie where a, a person is corrupted, changed, or, um, you know, you're, you're defeated ultimately by like being touched by something like it's a, you don't yeah. even have a chance to fight back. It's kind of, no. it gets you and you're done. <laughs> Um, well, I think the I think that's kind of the horror. Like people like to um, like to downplay zombies because everything uses them. But I think that's the horror of zombies is that like mm. once they get you, it's like oh well, you're screwed. Like you can actually get yeah. away from them, and that's you're dead. Absolutely. Um, think- and I think that this is a really good evolution of that horror. I think that this is like like we had the zombie, then we had the running zombie, and then yeah. Necromorph is this is like the apex movie. of it. I mean, it spreads yeah. so mm-hmm. quickly, um, and the well, the ultimate horror is how it begins each in each instance where there's a marker, whether it's this original one or a man-made version. Um, it's mankind, you know, humanity does it to themselves. Like, it's not yeah. – they're influenced, but they're killing themselves to provide fodder for this – you know, they're basically this sacrifice to this – elder god i mean you could look at it that way uh is what sparks you know the calamity that eventually occurs 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, and like you said, it's the way it's described is so visceral, isn't it? It's so mm-hmm. the, the actual language used for any of the transformations or the description of any of the monsters. I think that's, like you said, that's where the horror comes from. And, and so echoing the point about it being an apex sort of level of things, it, it, I think that's what makes it truly terrifying is the fact that that is the speed of how humans you know transform into whatever form of necromorph but i think what's actually quite interesting especially if you read into it is the fact that the different types of necromorph change depending on what the host was originally mm-hmm. like you know so you've got a, a situation where literally no living creature is safe whether you're a you know a baby a, a kid an adult a dog it, it doesn't matter you you know if they if they're coming for you they will transform you and not only that, they transform you, you know, with haste, but also the fact that whether you, it's, I was reading into it, I think I've got it here somewhere, yeah, where it depends on if you were a twin, it depends on if you're a baby, you know, they, mm-hmm. it's, that is, that is such a whole different level. And that's, that's what makes, it's not like literally everyone turns into, you know, a slasher and that's it. You know, you, you may turn into a crawler. You may talk into, turn into a feeder. You may turn into a, there's one called a pregnant, you know, it's just, oh, it's, I mean, I was, I've got it here. <laughs> the cre- creature pregnancy created when a mother is infected that has one to two unborn babies inside of them. If the baby is too young, it will rot, fall apart and become swarmers. Yep. I, I feel, I, I feel sick saying that sentence. <laughs> that is a horrible in one, sentence. Like, in, that's, that's so in, uh, it's, I can't remember if it was before we started recording or not that I started, that I was talking about this, but like the ecology that they've created with this fiction, mm. um, like you have, a, it's such a good excuse for all these different monsters. And then they actually utilize that. Yeah, and they absolutely. move forward with that because, like, and it's it's really it's it's actually really cool talking with you guys because a majority of your experience with the monsters are through this book and through the movie, mm-hmm. um, and a majority of my experience with actually one hundred percent of my experience started with the game. So I was seeing them and I was watching them, and I think that they translated the horror of what you see because, like, the first time you don't they don't explain any of that in the games. That is all in. That is all in like text on the internet and in books. That that is a thing. Um, I mean, I'm sure there are emails and something that, that talk a little bit about that, but it's not like it's not like these huge story beats where you see a mother get impregnated, like that's, or you, you see a, a, a pregnant mother. That yeah, would be tra- weird too. But you don't you don't see a pregnant mother get transformed. But um, like yeah, like that that's uh, the uh, that monster in particular. Whenever he walks up and starts slashing at its own stomach to release the the feeders is or the swarmers is really, really unsettling. It's the, it's the fact they've thought of all these different combinations. That's the, the scary thing. And like you said, because the, the fact that like Dave and myself haven't really played much of the games at all, it, we, you know, we can only go on what we've read, you know, especially in the case of the novel. I mean, it, even again, the, even the way they describe the monster, I mean, like I've got a little extract from the book actually here. This is where they, they're talking about the creature on the beach for, I mean, for people that haven't, read the novel um there's a a part of it which is i think does it actually explain where it is it's like a the you know the actual village that the that uh, comes across a creature on the beach you know chava the little boy i don't i don't know where it was set i can't remember um but anyway it's like where he's where they're describing the monster here um it was like the creature in his dream but much worse it was not human but seemed as though it was once had been human its neck looked like it had been flayed free of skin the reddish the reddish 
pith underneath peck uh, flecked with white splotches oozing slowly what looked to be eyes were only empty sockets covered with veined opaque membranes the jawbone seemed to have uh, vanished entirely leaving only a flap of loose skin and a hole where the mouth should have been i mean that is that's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah, it's like just, they just, they so... went in like the nine yards making these yeah. things like the grossest permutation of, you know, what the original form was. They don't, I mean, there's nothing resembling their humanity. It's gone. Like they, I mean, they're born from corpses, but they've taken this to like, the furthest extreme. Let's make whatever we can. This right, this writing room. Whenever they were doing this, must have been like crazy. You know, yeah, listening to people pitch these things, or like, what, what can we do to make this even worse? You know? I think. Oh, let's I make believe pregnant this women is the game turn into something. You know. Yeah. yeah, like I believe this is the game where the developers talked about looking at pictures of like car accidents and things like that yeah like, i'm I heard pretty that. sure that was yeah. dead space that they I did that right. like it shows because like, it really like, is oh, it's, it's disgusting so it's and because i think it the the horror well on the horrors on many levels but one for personally one of the things that i find a struggle i don't like when a, a human morphs into something but it's done in a a quite horrific way like in the sense of where bones are, are cracking and reforming i mean what i mean is someone turning into a zombie again depending on the type of uh, media it is but often it's just them you know their skin changes a bit of color and they just look a bit more deranged whereas on on this one they're right there's a again another extra layer in the book which is talking about the uh the what happens to the german doctor and it's oh, right. What lay beneath looked hardly human anymore. The head was still there, but was now embedded in a curtain of flesh. Oh, curtain of flesh. Right. Some <laughs> um, of what had been what, been his shoulders. Uh, it was animate, moving slightly. What was left of his chest heaving up and down with rapid movements. Um, the the body had flatted, and ribs and skin seemed to spread out uh, to create a wing like structure between the wrist and what was left of the ankle. I mean, he's even mentioned the ankle. Like the body of a manta ray, it was an unhealthy, morbid colour. The eyes were sunken in and had a strange gleam to them. Again, this just this simple sentence, next one. There was another cracking noise. And you can actually visualise that. You're, you're, you know, you're like, that crack is something else is forming into something else. And the body changed further. What was left of the face receding, becoming lost, except for the eyes and the mouth, uh, which was now little more than a hole. It, it, it split open at the end, dissolving there into a mass of tentacles, or antennae now, almost insectoid. The hands and feet shriveled and hooks of bone sprouted in their place. It made a shrieking sound and began to struggle. I think that last sentence describes us as the reader. It made a shrieking sound. I was there going, ah, I don't want to read anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and they're not shy about describing no, it, like all yeah. of the, 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 the various necromorphs um, in this, this parlance, in this kind of thing. And it's just... Yeah, it's rough reading it, um, let alone seeing these things um, uh, in other media, uh, like actual visual representation of it, isn't um, much different than how they're depicted in the book, oh, which is nice to see that um, continuity, but also makes it look for a rough uh, playing of these games. Get gross. <laughs> yeah, they're gross. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's going to be the uh, episode title. <laughs> they're gross. They're, gr- they're gross. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Sums it up. <laughs> so, uh, I guess we, you know, we talked about um, the the German doctor that uh, that that becomes um, that manta ray type uh, necromorph is the infector. Um, these yeah. are what go around and with a sort of bony proboscis um, stab the Ugh. skulls of recently deceased um, and inject the necromorph uh, virus or you know whatever you want to call it um, into the the unwilling uh, or simply <laughs> matter the recipient uh, who yep. um, as we said immediately like the the change um, especially in the novels is within like 30 seconds to it like less than a minute they're uh, effectively mobile and after the next you know victim it's the same in the in the anime in downfall as well isn't Mm. it you see that as well where we're going to cover later yeah i think they definitely stress that that's that's i mean that's even a part of the games where you'll walk into a room with a bunch of dead bodies and then you you'll you'll pick up a key or something and one of the infectors will come in and then immediately infect everything and they all get up as monsters like it sucks a lot (laughs) And then, uh, well, the first, the first um, in the prologue, the the creature that um, Chava encounters. Mm-hmm. This is the a Weezer. They um, they're basically stationary uh, terraformers. Um, I think, as the the wiki refers to them, they breathe in um, oxygen and like there are these huge lung sacs that convert it into a sort of toxin and is. Uh, expelled out into the atmosphere, um, changing things for the well, for the worse. <laughs> yeah, I think we see some of the corruption in the in the movie, um, but that's a big thing. Again, I know I keep referencing the games, but it's, it's again, I love how the fiction mm. it ties it all self together. That like, there's like this really in these places, there is this growing corruption on the walls and on the floors and everything. That's just really you know gross. Is kind of the only descriptor that we kind of keep coming back to, but it is like, ugh. and these Weezers are great because like they make like this wailing noise and they're kind of sad looking, but they're also really gross and creepy. Um, and so as I, as I was reading the book, I was actually like kind of pumped that that was the very first necromorph that's described because <laughs> they're so there's, it's such a memorable uh, monster for me just because of the sound that they make is very unsettling. It sounds like a person crying yeah, and I think coming into this, um, really not engaging much with the um, with the with the games. Uh, it's it's an interesting um, creature to lead off uh, the novel with because they spend a lot of time describing it. Um, this is probably the most you know well described um, necromorph we get because they, they went in gun, guns blazing and going, here's, you know, we're going to show you something horrible. Um, <laughs> but they, they come back to it later in the, in the novel, um, uh, to its corpse. And then, uh, again, um, Chava, the, the, the boy that first finds it, um, he's questioned about it and he describes that these, you know, these billowing lungs because they're, 
uh, sort of like a balloon that extends from its back. Um, it was, it's so huge. It's the size of, you know, a small little hut. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's so utterly alien and different from what you think a, a human body would, could be capable of turning into. Yeah. I mean, you think that there's some sort of limitation on bone structure and what organic material is available, and you realize they they went in whole hog with this, and any visceral part of the human body that might conceivably be a weapon, um, which is, I guess, all of the body. <laughs> I mean, we have uh, examples of things that are basically human intestines um, yeah. attacking people. So they, there's nothing like off limits. Um, the the swarmers, um, the swarmers that, uh, uh, yeah, they they come out of the bodies of the pregnant um, are described as potentially being um, human hands, like disembodied hands that have been transformed into you know more of a sort of a frog, slug creature. Um, you know, not, nothing's off limits. No, I mean, if you actually look in the the wiki when they're sort of talking about the how a neck form, uh, sorry, necromorph uh, is sort of made, it's it's again, it's it's disgusting. It it basically says that the, <laughs> I know we keep using these words, but so appropriate. It, it's the fact that they were saying that obviously because the transformation takes place so quickly that it it generates tremendous amounts of heat more often than not the violently spasming corpse becomes so hot that stagnant blood boils in the veins and arteries rupturing the skin and then vital and digestive organs that are no longer needed turn into additional muscle you know basically making them even more stronger than they were before i mean it that's like it's I know this is an odd way to describe it. It's like a beautiful terror, isn't it? Sort of in the sense that it, they, they're, they more so cleverly and so quickly that they go, right, we don't, you don't need those organs anymore. They're going to become more muscle to make you stronger. I mean, that from an evolution point of view and the purpose, that is fantastic. Again, it's disgusting reading it, yeah. but, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, from a physiological point of view, that's fantastic. Yeah, well, and that's why, every- I mean, ultimately the military is, you know they're drawn to this because yeah. there's that what weapon potential um you know d- disregarding the fact that uh nothing is safe um from it's, it's a very ridiculous um thing to try to employ on a battlefield you've you it's not going to discriminate between friend and foe and all of a sudden you've just made like a million more of these things that you can see how this was spread so quickly. Go ahead, Stephen. I think you were going to say. Something. Oh no, I was, um, I, that's exactly what I was going to point out. It's just like it's that that relentlessness that is like you know, it's so well example. And I mean, this is kind of a storied kind of I guess trope in in science fiction where you know the military sees a new thing that they could use and so they want to get it. Like it's a, it's a big thing in Alien, um, which is a very obvious. Uh, uh, inspiration yeah yeah for dead space um so it's just but you know it's like the the unrelentingness the fact that any single part of you could then be weaponized Mm. um against yourself and then everything else is just like it is feeds into that that amazing body horror that kind of you know i don't really see happening outside of something like dead space where 
this is like every single bit of everything is used against you. Yeah, I mean that makes it all the all the worse. Um uh and the visceral component of this makes it uh it lends that sort of Cronenberg um yeah. It's, it wears it on its sleeve, honestly. This is this is that uh from like the movie The Fly, uh the mm-hmm. the remake, that feeling of something that just it shouldn't be there. Like this is the ultimate <laughs> like just does not belong. Um, it shouldn't exist and not to mention that it's 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 literally using uh dead bodies to to create its you know what's what's essentially like an army but that's the that's the best kind of horror isn't it at the end of the day where you have a situation where we're like you said that we've said earlier that we're being turned against ourselves yet You've, on top of that, you've got a situation where one of the worst kinds of horror is for people, well, for a lot of people anyway, is things like you said that shouldn't be there or shouldn't be that way. That's not right. My my jawbone should not be used in. It was meant for. It was meant for. It was meant for talking on podcasts and eating my dinner. <laughs> I don't want it used in other ways. <laughs> it's, yeah, but it works. It's effective, and and because and because of that, they and like we touched on earlier, it, they can any monster they want can be it. If they can morph a you know a human body into anything, they've got free reign from you know from again from a design point of view. That's fantastic. They can do whatever they want with it. And again, it makes it where every monster could be could be quite random, but they aren't. They've all got a purpose. They've all got a reasoning. You know, so the the guys behind the scenes that were designing the you know the lore and the monsters, both from the games and you know the actual uh, universe, they must have had a great time with that. They really must have done just sort of going all, you know going all out with it. Yeah, and they're not limited um, to single organism creations i mean a lot of these things are made with components of other bodies like multiple corpses are used in the you know the creation of some of the larger necromorphs and i guess the more disturbing ones we get the uh i guess it's not really described specifically um it's more of the the, they they refer to it as the spider uh necromorph and yeah. its legs are other bodies and the the heads of the um previous bodies that are forming this this thing are essentially detachable and their own offensive measure i mean they're running around. it's it's uh a lot of these monsters remind me of um the thing from John Carpenter's movie. That's exactly what I was getting. Yeah, ready to definitely. Say. <laughs> you know, they they fire out horrible like ropes of flesh that can strangle you or you know pop off your your head. I mean, they the the like what we said, the organs are converted to muscle, so it looks like an intestine or a rope, but it's it's just as strong um, as say maybe like a bow constrictor or, or something like of that nature that is wholly uh, muscle, not just, you know, some gross uh, viscera wrapping around you. It's, it's a direct threat. And uh, we see uh, the Dr. Fields. I mean, he 
he's climbing a ladder and a something that looks somewhat like a snake, but is maybe a bit of an intestine uh, wraps around and pops off his head. Yep. And then more disgustingly, like c- crawls down him, launches out like a little proboscis and stabs into his stomach, crawls inside and Ugh. does who knows yeah. what, like it's, Nasty. <laughs> it's very well Nasty. Um, described and you're just, it's, it's utterly off-putting. It's not something like I almost <laughs> wanted to skim some of the subject, uh, like or I guess the descriptions. Uh, if it weren't for like, well, I need this information for doing the podcast. I wouldn't. I would maybe save myself some sanity and not read every little description on what these things are doing. I was busy copying and pasting them. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. I was going. I was going like, I'll, I'll need to read this out. It's- so not only have I read it, I've then copy and pasted it and reread it to make sure it was the right thing I wanted. <laughs> yeah, just to make sure it's burned into your memory. Yeah. <laughs> I can't see. I don't want to see anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Matt, describe us these slashers, the scythers. This is like the the, the general necromorph that's encountered, um, I think, throughout yeah, the... Uh, uh, the book the the, the grow basic oh, okay there we go we lost you for a second <laughs> oh sorry um yeah so i mean the yeah the basic sort of rank and file necromorph is i suppose a combination of a, a zombie but where the it's got two lengthened arms uh spraying out its back with uh effectively a a you know a claw at the end so they're sort of like like sides uh, coming out of their shoulders and you've, they've got these pathetic little well not pathetic actually well they look pathetic uh, little arms <laughs> coming out you know sort of where they would be on the human body but sort of almost at the stomach level but this is what they use for pinning people down and which you see a bit more in the in the uh, downfall movie as well um they're they're yeah they they've got a sort of horrible well, again, a sort of zombie look to their face, but they're sort of often in some of their cases, the jaw or the lower jaw is missing, which again makes them even more terrifying. Um, yeah, they're like everything we're going to talk about, they're, they're nasty, <laughs> but they, they get into, and again for a lot of them as well, sort of they're quite skinless at the uh, often on their lower torso. It again, it depends on obviously what they were before, but um, yeah. Zombies with sides and little arms to pin you down to stab you. Nice. Nice. Mm. <laughs> no, not nice. So that's pretty much the ones we're, we deal with is the, uh, the Weezer that's sort of expelling the toxic air, um, the gross bat-like infectors, um, the creeper, uh, is the, the heads that have been mobilized uh, as a, a separate entity. Um, oh God. Yes. Mm. And the, the divider, I guess is what, what fields turns into. So it's basically like an, an elongated human. I mean, they look the most human out of the variations, I think, uh, yeah. as far as their, their limbs, being more or less intact. Um, but these are the ones where their, their heads, um, are separate pop off and will attempt to strangle you to pull off your head 
and insert themselves into, you know, the victim body and create another uh, divider. And I think yeah, their limbs and, can come off and independently yes. try to kill you. Yeah, like the seeing one of these is it's really cool. Uh, this monster, at least in the in the game, because it's done very unceremoniously, it's just walking towards you in a hallway. Um, <laughs> it is. They are so creepy looking because, like you said, they're not actively like uh, every other design is very very aggressive. Like the way that their um, their elongated arms and everything are arched. All of the other monsters have these very like very obviously aggressive kind of postures and silhouettes. This one just looks like a very skinny, tall man standing there, and so just, it looks incredibly unsettling. And then, yeah, the first time you're like, okay, yeah, I'm supposed to shoot off the limbs, and so you shoot off its its head, and then the head starts running at you along with the body. You're just like, no, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> so yeah, this this is uh, again just like oh, we'll keep saying, there's a bunch of cool monsters. Like all of these designs are just like you know they really we're using their imagination just like well what other kind of horrible nonsense can we make the human body do under an immense amount of you know dysmorphic uh you know morphing it in distress that we could cause it yeah um that pretty much covers i think most of the uh the creatures here we do we do get a uh um i want to say it's the the grunt um so this is a sort of gorilla-esque um, version of maybe think uses three different bodies to, uh, to, to are necessary to form this and um, it's what uh, unfortunately um, brings our, our protagonist to his um, demise at the, uh, yeah. the end of the book mm-hmm. that he gets to fight it with a sharpened spoon yeah. <laughs> that, went, that went too well <laughs> it's horrible ending for him though isn't it really yeah it is it's it's, it's well it's that's why this yeah. is called martyr you know yeah with no uh yeah. no ifs ands or buts we get we get a solid ending and a uh i guess unarguably um legendary uh figure is created um mm-hmm. out of uh michael altman um and uh, the 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 body of the religion of unitology is, is sort of formed um, at the end of this book, and he is unceremoniously raised up as the, the founder of this religion, who eventually just goes on to do horrible, horrible things. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he, I think, the. The novel it doesn't play around with that, and we get a scene early on when um, uh, Altman is conversing with the, the sort of town drunk, um, who's discuss the drunk's discussing with him the, the sort of power um, that a name holds, and Altman's just like, no, listen, this just call me, or I don't think he says just call me, but the drunk's like, I'll just call you Altman because you don't identify with the meaning behind Michael. Um, yeah, and uh, that, that sort of serves as a a double edged because you know he's he's no uh, or he's not raised up to be you know this angel this guardian mm-hmm. um, figure. Uh, he is the 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 ancient one, the wise one that 
Yeah, that's it. That's what know, brings means, this knowledge yeah. um, from the marker, uh, even though that's that's not what he, he does or not what he wants to be remembered <laughs> as. He ends up being uh, well. He's not. He's not really reviled, um, at least not by the unitologist. He's held up um, in this well savior martyr um, position, and uh, his name is basically you know goes down in history as. Uh, or what's left of history yeah. uh, as a it's, a, it's a terrible thing. Yeah. It, that's the, that's the, why it's quite a tragic ending putting aside him being killed off as well. It's the fact that he knows that his name is going to be used to that effect. You know, it goes against everything that he's trying to done, tried to do throughout the, the whole novel. And it's almost like a real, just yet another kick in the teeth on top of everything else. Mm. And, you know, and it's, and it, it I never thought that, reading a novel on this and especially connected to a franchise like this, that it would be, I would be quite emotional at the end of it. You know, I think, Oh damn, you know, that is a real horrible way to go. Yeah. You know, but you know, that sums up the whole universe (laughs) in in this game. You know, it was, it was weird. It was a weird experience going into it because I was under the impression that Altman was a bad guy Uh, going into the book. I was like, well, he's obviously a bad guy. He's the cult leader, you know, of, the guy that um, that uh, that um, started unitology, so he had to be crazy. Uh, and the entire time, I'm just I'm waiting for that to happen because, like you said, they make a very big point in the beginning of the book that he is not a believer in things like this. And he spends the entirety of the of the story fighting against it, trying to examine it uh, intellectually, and then like realizing as the book is closing, what is going on? I was like, Oh man, that sucks. <laughs> I was like, Oh, that is a bummer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in playing what they're doing, um, in regards to religion, science, um, they're looking at not only that, but this idea of history being, um, written by the mm-hmm. victors, uh, yeah. and to, uh, I mean, basically this book's, Kind of saying, you know, be critical about um, your impression on things because, you know, propaganda, uh, it's a thing. And mm-hmm. to, you know, look at not even both sides, but, you know, multiple sides of any any story and that could potentially, you know, be the, the, the truth of the matter rather than um, just taking, again, taking things at face value. Um, and that's that's played with uh, heavily um, in regard to the the marker itself. Is mm-hmm. people aren't willing to look past um, this perceived notion of what it can, uh, or the, the boons, the benefits of what this thing can can give, um, and they only want that, and they're utterly like ignoring. Uh, overt signs of this being a bad a bad thing and it's, it's, no. it's to the point where it's it's ridiculous but it's justified i think through in the in the you know universe by the fact that this this artifact um mentally like unhinges you you don't get to go into this with a you know a clear mind it's it's doing its work um, from the get-go, from the moment you're, you know, anywhere near it, uh, you're already kind of compromised. And I think that, that, that that's really cool. Um, uh, although it's 
utterly, un, you know, unfortunate. It's, you know, well, but, uh, yeah. ultimately it, this is like, it's not even a case of, you know, leave well enough alone. It's, it's a case of don't ever be curious, you know, <laughs> any, any sort of well, whatever well-meaning you may have had is ultimately your own downfall. Oh, look, yeah. downfall. <laughs> hey, ah, look at that. Hey. Speaking of That's which. That's my uh, wow. unintentional segue. Nice. Expert. You're a professional, Dave. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I, it's I, my I, plan I, all yeah. along. <laughs> I've manipulated you like the marker. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, explains a lot. <laughs> Knew it. All right. Um, Stephen. So, uh, what did you think of this, uh, just as a, a piece of media? Uh, downfall. Um, I think it's. I think it's pretty good. Like, if you like, I mean, for fans of the genre, if you like Dead Space, mm-hmm. you know, um, like again, for me uh, at the time, I was I watched this and read the book around the same time. Even though this came out like way before, uh, I think it actually may have come out just before the game, or maybe right after. I can't really uh, exactly remember, but um. The um, is in my my furious con- consumption of all things Dead Space, um, and uh, actually I kind of like it, like as like a fun like uh, like if I'm ever feeling like I might want to get back in the mood to play Dead Space, I'll watch this, and that'll usually tip me back over to the edge of just going ahead and playing it. Um, I like um, it's funny because the this is a really brutal. Uh, piece of animation like it is super violent once the the stuff starts really going down and it actually kind of reminds me a lot of the castlevania series that just uh released on on netflix mm. and i mm. was kind of hoping there would be more stuff like this around the time that this came out and you know the ea kept making these weird animated uh, uh movies that progressively seemed to get worse um and so they kind of just kind of fell away but i think as an initial again as a as this piece of multimedia i think that this is one of the uh, better examples of something adding into a fiction as opposed to adapting a piece of uh, uh gaming into another piece of media yeah um so this was released about two weeks after um the game itself was and mm. it serves literally as like a 75 minute prologue to the game you're uh, for an ex- simply an expansion, but um, for an explanation or something, this is integral. I think that anyone playing the game is going to get more out of the game uh, by having watched this first and then, and yeah. then playing. Yeah, definitely. So it's um, it's basically like, well, it's not as integral, but this serves um, the same purpose as uh kingsglaive does toward um, oh yeah Yeah, like that game you you're doing yourself a disservice if you if you missed watching the movie which wasn't like the greatest you know piece of uh cinema but no but i had literally necessary to understand the plot uh, (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) this isn't as much like a necessary thing but um it gives you uh, some more, I guess, foothold on what's going down on the Ishimura um, in, when you begin um, Dead Space, because you're basically just going into it blind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Otherwise. 
Um, yeah, it, it, it nicely ties it. I was going to say it nicely ties it together. Like I said, if you look at it from the perspective of reading Marta, then watching Downfall, and then starting to play Dead Space One, it for considering it that's you're going from book to film to game, it integrates very nicely actually. Which because it could have been a bit of a, bit of a sham, really. They could have really got this wrong and it could have you know gone you could have gone in really going what what does this mean you know but they they've done that really well actually it does really flow nicely and like said for like we've said multiple times but for me and Dave who haven't really played the games as such it again it really just sets it straight away you go ah that how that's exactly before I stepped on the Ishimura so no I think that's that's it's done really well it's actually as a, again, as an individual film, it's decent. Again, a bit like the novel. It's not, again, if you didn't know much about the Dead Space universe, it's, it's perfectly watchable as its own isolated, uh, movie. But like I said, you definitely get more out of it by having, you know, either play about to play the game or have read Marta just before it. Yeah, and it's actually really cool. Like, it, there are parts of it where later in the game you will find security footage of things that they show in the movie, which is actually yeah. really cool. Like, the stuff on the bridge that happens with the captain, like, you actually get to see that in some security footage um, about halfway through the game. So it is it is this really awesome piece of context that they could have kind of wasted on doing whatever they wanted, but instead they decided to make, in you know, in addition to making a... Um, a pretty entertaining, albeit gross, uh, uh, piece of animated film. They also uh, made the uh, the base source of material much stronger through it, which is really cool to see happen. Mm. Definitely, Dave. What did you think of the sort of art style on this one? Uh, I really yeah. enjoyed it. Um, it's kind of it aged well. It's crisp and mm-hmm. clean. It's an animated film. Um, I. I think my thoughts are like when I finished watching this, this is like, I've seen it a few times before. Um, but I would not be adverse to seeing like a live action of this. Um, yeah, the, God, that would the, be awesome. The characterization is pretty easy. Uh, it's a basically, I wouldn't say it's like aliens too, but, uh, it's sort of a mis- or mishmash between aliens and the thing. And I think um, with practical effects and not CG would be best served um, for this, or maybe like a little, you know, a slight melding of the two, uh, mm-hmm. maybe for some of the necromorphs. But um, no, it was it was pretty solid. Uh, like I said, it's seventy five minutes. It moves really quickly. Definitely, um, yeah, absolutely. But you don't. I don't feel like I like anything was lost. I wasn't going old. No, they don't. Didn't explain something. No, they they did really well. Um, setting up the story, explaining what was going on, and uh, again, this this maybe does benefit from having read um, Martyr first and then looking at this again. Um, all these things, uh, as far as these these particular pieces of media that we chose, uh, tie in, if not perfectly, like very very well, and Definitely. serve to give you a better understanding as a whole of this franchise. Um, we There's another film, um, Aftermath, which we didn't take a look at, but I, I did uh, have the misfortune of watching yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not this a was fan. So, 
this was so stellar. Like, it was such a good mm. piece that I immediately went, well, the other one's got to be even better. It came out afterwards. <laughs> and that <laughs> was, like, mm, it's, the other film is done uh, in the style of um, Animatrix, where it's sort of segments um, of a story, right. and they're done by, I think, different directors or different mm-hmm. art teams. It's, it's, a, it's a hodgepodge that doesn't work. Um, yeah, the story is not as strong, and the art direction's poor. Um, I don't know. I, I maybe it does deserve a, a look at again because I, I haven't seen it in a few years. But I remember not really caring for it the first time, and I bet that my feelings are probably going to be worse because um, <laughs> I'm sure it didn't age well. No, I, I haven't. I haven't seen it yet. I've got it as as part of the double set, but the general consensus online is that it sucks. <laughs> yeah, it is. Not, it is not well put. It's like that, like, whereas Animatrix was, it was cool because like, it's still like a consistent kind of style, just different artists working within that. Like no part of that movie feels coherent, like story wise, art wise, right. like, nothing is, it feels like a mess. So, yeah. yeah. So. This on the other hand, and like, and it's so like that movie, incredibly slow and it's not long with it speaking like the way this film moves like once it gets going it really doesn't stop no uh, until the end and it's i think done really well like i i can't i can imagine that it's it's kind of difficult to portray movement and brutality through animation and um this movie does it really well oh, like when absolutely. the necromarchs start doing stuff it is it is bad news bears for those people <laughs> like yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's why you like you said david if they did an act, a live action movie of this it would be fantastic you know or potentially good if it was done right i'd have thought actually imagine if oat studio did oh this. my oh, god yeah oh it'd be so good that could be amazing yeah that Come was on, one of my thoughts was to to segue uh potentially into um at least one of the, the short films that oat studio does which is for all intents and purposes a um a dead space entry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know yeah. which one you're yeah. talking about too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, maybe I'll, uh, I'll, I'll toss a link to that in the notes, um, just for people to take a look at. And we'll, um, we'll have a, a formal discussion of that. Uh, at a Absolutely. Later. We will. It's a do for one. Um, yeah. So the, the, the movie itself, like I said, it moves really quickly. It's a, it's a, you know, a condensed, plot um again we're uh we're given like basically a a lead protagonist um to follow um in the form of this uh she's the security officer um yeah for the for the ishimura and um she's i think it's uh, Alyssa vincent she's a a likable character it's always nice to see us it's a strong female character that um it's not just like a physical strength. It's a strength of character, um, um, drive, morals, that sort of thing are all mm-hmm. uh, kind of on point. Um, again, did some of the decisions um, that she makes um, in hindsight, probably not the best, but <laughs> no. that's, uh, uh, I don't know. I think that's the hardest part to maybe to stomach about this series, aside from the um, the creature design, is uh, these characters have flaws, like a critical flaw, but it's it's not 
uh, here and there. It's everybody. Like, no one gets to do the right thing. Like, ever. Like, they think they are, and that's, mm. that's like, sort of admirable, but in the in the big scheme of things, like we said, everyone's serving, um, you know, to, to, they're, they're playing to the, the fiddle of this, uh, this marker, basically. Yeah, I, th- I think that's reflected by the fact that pretty much every decision they make is very emotional or has some emotion attached to it. I know, obviously, on in other stories and, and media that emotion does play into it, but what I mean by that is the fact that, obviously quite a few of the characters in all the, you know, the games, the films, the books, uh, you know, have a religious connotation with them, which again is, you know, for, is an, is naturally an emotional thing. You've got Vincent uh, that you described where obviously protecting the people doing her job right is very emotional to her. You've, you know, the, the, and the other characters, so it, it, they all have that sort of, uh, feel to them where everything, it, where almost r- rationality goes out the window, even, in on in all cases they're not they think they're doing the right thing but it is definitely heart overhead in a lot of their cases which you know often doesn't end well <laughs> well i don't think it ever ends well like, no, like every no, attempt true. they do is it fails you know at every step of the way um and i think that that's a hard thing to swallow uh, repeatedly uh the, the, like we said from the beginning um this franchise uh it's depressing. It's not a happy series. Like nothing in this is ever like a redemption or, uh, you know, we don't get character arcs, um, aside from maybe, uh, Altman where anyone sort of redeemed They're It's usually the opposite. Like yeah. they might start out with good intentions, but everything is a, a spiral down to hell. Like this just doesn't pan out. <laughs> um, and the few, uh, who do we get? The um, the ship's doctor. Um, uh, I've lost. Uh, he's staring at the the wiki. I know. I the wiki up, and I, I know. Uh, I just he's in the beginning. Doctor Klein. Yes, Doctor Klein. Yeah, Terence Klein. Yeah. So, um, Doctor Klein. He is the only one that is doing the right thing. Yeah, like like <laughs> yeah. for the for for humanity, um, yeah. he's basically um, tries to scuttle the ship, and um, Alyssa uh, Vincent stops him. Um, in in her view, she's saving the the last few um, survivors of this you know incident, um, which as we know, there really aren't any. Like no one's basically left alive. It's just her. And I think she even says, I'm the only one left. Um, so at that point, it's if she had sacrificed herself, which she, she does, but if she sacrificed herself to destroy the ship, uh, I think that would have ultimately changed the entire course of this of this series. And well, we wouldn't have had um, <laughs> the, the, a game <laughs> franchise. Yeah. Um, so... You know, she she doesn't end up um, driving the ship down into the to the planet, letting it crash. She she does send a warning message. She's like, everyone's you know, this is a like 
destroy the thing. This is a bad place. So she should have. I think she realized maybe at the end that she should have scuttled it. But, you know, she's also ultimately plagued by these um, apparition uh, uh, visions at the end. I think... I think it's well played, even though with the the, vi- the start and the end, with the video where she, you know, the film starts off a recording about what's happened, which obviously you're about to see what's about to happen, and then obviously then it comes full circle with her mm-hmm. recording that video. I think again, it's a simple thing to do, but I think it it plays nicely, you know, into why she's doing what she's doing, and you, and again, I think you, even though obviously at the start you think to yourself, okay something's gone down here you know like i said she's the last survivor whereas when you see it full circle you even though part of you think oh why are you not (laughs) destroying the ship but like i said she's got different motives so it's interesting seeing you know the start and the finish you know from that regard as well and how it plays into the uh you know what's going to be the start of dead space one with when the kelly and arrives at the top at the end of the film yeah yeah Um, and it's it's Go continually ahead. it's just all that we were talking about the characters just like no one making the right decisions and it's again playing into this horror that is the it's kind of the inevitable thing like the 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 big bad guys at the very end of the series the brethren moon like they placed these markers here originally because they knew that the a, a species on this planet would do you know whatever dominant species that would be is going to be one that is constantly looking out for its own survival. And at every turn, the characters are trying to make decisions to further our survival. It is only the only way to truly survive. This is through self-destruction and no one wants to do that. They want to help as many people as they can. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, she sends out the warning and then the, the, uh, the Kelly arrives to, you know, find out what happened to all these people. And then yeah, it's just, it's this, cycle so yeah it is it is hard to see this over and over again happening but it is kind of the natural cycle of things that it is inevitable that we would effectively help ourselves to death the thing is it's it's funny because you fully say that because the whole side of the part of things where regarding suicide which you know is quite a frequent thing especially in the in the martyr novel mm-hmm. which is very anti-human you know, it's, it goes against our natural instincts. You know, we try to survive at all costs. That's what humans do. It's built into us. So things like suicide and where we're, we should be sacrificing ourselves to, uh, you know, to, to to stop the cycle. We can't help. We don't like doing that. We don't. It's not built into us. So, no, it's, again, it's a, another little parallel that's running throughout this, which, again, it doesn't change things, but it just makes it very, very interesting how... You know, we, we, you know, there's so many people committing suicide in, in the, you know, especially in the novel. Um, and that's not what we tend to do. It's all, you know, it's not something we try to do. We try to survive at all costs. Yeah. And I mean, they're, they're blatantly ignoring that. Um, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's acknowledged that it's a thing, but at no point, like in the, in the novel, especially, are they going, oh, well, that's weird. <laughs> they're, they're kind of just like going they're just shrugging it off and it's like uh well they were they were weak or you know there's there's no yeah. real um they're not picking a, a, a they're not making a point of engaging with that they they they're shying away for it or away from it um because of self-interest they they can only see um the benefits to be reaped from um this you know artifact they've uncovered uh but what 
we see with Alyssa and well, it, it, all of the characters. Um, you know, we we've discussed that the you know the creators of this um, franchise put so much effort into the Necromorphs. I mean, they they they, they did a really good job um, coming up with the, with creating that, but. The other thing they do a really good job with is motivations. Um, while they're doing the wrong thing uh, as a as a viewer or consumer of this media, you can understand why. Like they lay it on the table, you know why everyone's doing what they're doing, and you can understand it. And you can you can maybe agree that they're doing what they think is right. Um, now, whether that's the correct thing to do, we generally can say that no, it's probably not. <laughs> uh, but again, that's that's us looking out, looking in. Um, not only that, but uh, like with the, say with the character of Alyssa, everything she's doing is in line with her job. She's come hell or high water, she's going to do her job. Yeah. Um, whether that's self interest or you know a selfish thing. Uh, is that self-centered or is that her her morality? I mean, as a character, it's a strong trait. Uh, you can admire that uh, because we know what she, at the end, what she does is the, the bad thing. But yeah. you can look at it and go, well, to her, specifically, this is what she has to do and she'll die to do it. You know, she's sacrificing it's herself, very- what she thinks is the greater good. But we outside looking in go well you you did the like the correct thing for what you could see of the situation because she can't see what we she doesn't know what we know no true you know i think it's a very human need for purpose isn't it we we have to we feel we have to have purpose and i think she's just another example of that and i think she's in a you know in a bit of a microcosm and because of it and just thinks that she's doing the right thing and she's doing what you know i'm a head of security i protect people that's as far as i go <laughs> you know and that's yeah. you know yeah which again is not a bad thing it's just a, a reflection of of that need for purpose and and again it, it but again it plays the role in in the film on purpose in the it, it projects it forward ultimately you've got a situation where the ishimura is being terrorized by the necromorphs someone's got to protect them because it, it, at the one day it'd be it'd be five minutes long <laughs> where yeah. they're just they're just torn apart and then end <laughs> roll credits you know but um actually talking of rolling credits i tell you just before it what i think is probably one of the most uh terrifying things in a way of the film is when when you know, spoilers when she dies and blows herself into space is when her body's drifting to twinkle, twinkle, little star. I mean, I did not see that coming. I think that's a real interesting. I mean, what do you guys think of that as a choice of, of, uh, of song? Uh, well, anytime that they put like a child song in a horror movie, it just, uh, it's effective, uh, because Absolutely. those things aren't supposed to go together. So it's that, <laughs> that utter contrast, um, that innocence that's uh, in the song um, versus what we know is going to happen uh, yeah. is it's great um, and horrifying, ultimately. Yeah, Stephen. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely think it's effective. And I actually – I really liked it because that was the um, – I remember that being um, – 
the song that they played over uh, some of the trailers for the original Dead Space. Uh, like that, like really distorted version that seemed like it was coming through an intercom. And I could, you know, it, it kind of sounds as if that's one of the uh, uh, quote unquote survivors um, on the Ishimura that has completely lost their minds at that point. Um, yeah, and they're just singing this into an intercom and it's just like, it's, it is such like, you know, like it, the, I don't know if this is intentional or not, but the, the line in the song is, you know, I wonder what you are. And then we've been talking hmm. constantly about the curiosity and how that's, that's the ultimate, you know, downfall of everyone, uh, in this series is that we're just, we're too darn curious about what it could be. Yeah. I mean, ultimately that's. Like we said, the, they picked these titles well. Um, yeah. they're all, yeah. uh, there's no yeah. mystery involved as to why um, they're chosen. And yeah, yeah uh, definitely. Uh, that's why Dead Space 4 will be called Dead Space 4. Just give up. <laughs> Just don't, don't play me. Um, <laughs> Lock yeah. yourself in a room. <laughs> Well, again, um, as, as Stephen um, sort of talked about, in the, I think it was in the beginning, um, we're picking apart, I think, these characters for like their, their poor decision-making skills. Um, but ultimately, uh, through, I think, well, I think one and two, I don't, I don't know if three is the same case, but as we're, uh, as the protagonist of Dead Space, uh, Isaac Clarke, we're doing the same thing. <laughs> Everything we think, <laughs> yeah, you know, you're, exactly. you're trying to defeat the enemy. You know, you're trying to do this thing. And no, we're doing the exact same poor decision that, uh, you know, it's sort of on rails. You can't, you know, get a choice to not do that. But the, the character of Isaac Clark is a flawed protagonist, just like every other, you know, character we get in this, in this universe. It's a, uh, uh, it's unfortunate <laughs> that everyone's just <laughs> such a, uh, a crappy version of um, humanity. But it's because they, they, you know. they need to pick their heroes better. Altman is yeah. just a, just a scientist. Uh, Vincent is just a security guard, and Isaac Clark is just an engineer. They just need to get some, you know, some badass, you know, soldier type, you know, with various powers, and they'll be fine. So they, well, they need yeah, to stop. But those guys them. died. <laughs> Yeah, true. Well, that's that's actually kind of what the third game is about. It's about this resistance that's come up that is specifically hunting down the murders. Oh, um, right, okay. Yeah, it's it's in like that kind of leads the game into being a much more of your standard third person shooter, which can be very uninteresting. Um, but it's it's again, it's really interesting how the series evolved and how like they. I think it's a really cool. I mean, I know we're joking, but I I like the idea of like they don't pick the hero types to be the heroes uh and these like when i remember that be big part of the marketing for dead space one was like yeah you're just this dude and you're gonna use power tools to fight you don't even get a gun or there's one gun in the game instead you're gonna be using like saws and cutters and stuff like that that's um, why i was that's why i was using a saw today when i was uh doing my gardening i felt like i oh, you're Clark. getting you're getting yeah. in the mindset. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. My wife my wife said to me, Why are you wearing that mask? <laughs> <laughs> what's that what's that strapped to your back? It's yeah. <laughs> my life is barley. Yeah. yeah. This is what I do every time I use a saw. Is this not mm. normal? Oh, that's one thing we didn't really talk about. Um 
Uh, I liked the fact that, uh, if, you know, from the, the, bit, the bit of the game I did play was um, you're, you're not working with, like, a traditional HUD. You're, everything you need to see is on display uh, on your character. Um, your yeah. life bar is these, um, well, in, in the, you in the game, in the in-game universe, these bars, um, they display energy, um, is that same thing. It's your, it's your life <laughs> on display and, um, they're very effective with it in, um, in downfall. You know, we get the scene with the captain, um, uh, ultimately we get the scene, um, with uh, um, Alyssa when she's floating in space. Uh, yeah. Where it kind of just blinks down to the little red at the bottom and, you know, vanishes. Um, it's Which a really I have cool to wonder, though, because technique. in the. Yeah, it is really cool, but like then, like in game, you upgrade your health. And I just like. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's, so, like, they do have to make it. Like, how does that work? <laughs> just, you know, because you just add more onto the little spine thing. Yeah, that means you can get. That means so I want one of those. So in real life, I can add as much on fine thing as I can. And I can get shot a bunch. Of them. That's <laughs> cool. <laughs> anyway, that was a dumb observation. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. You have to. It's all good here. You know, you got to take the good with the bad. Um, I thought it was a pretty cool uh, thing that they included um, and and yeah. made sure to make note of it in, uh, in the film. Mm. Uh, oh, also, yeah. um, the, I, I want to say the, the voice actor for Dr. Kine is the same as in, um, the game, but I think yes, he's the only it one. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. So that's always nice to see some kind of continuity. And unfortunately they weren't able to do the same with the captain. So yeah. As I say, I think the only the other, yeah, uh, I think him and the captain are the only two characters you'd really from the film and the game because you know like everyone's said, dead. everyone dies <laughs> that's a spoiler <laughs> everyone's oh, dead this is a fun episode isn't it yeah. we're talking about we're talking about bones cracking and jaws being deformed and uh, and everyone dies hey yeah. well just like our thing somebody does it. somebody's gotta <laughs> talk about this stuff um speaking <laughs> of talking about something uh we did get a response in so um, yeah i'll i'll just read this since i've pulled up uh it's from our our good buddy uh at morbid beard um so he says dead space was the closest game i ever found to an actual licensed alien game until alien isolation came out and took that title can't really remember picking it up for the first time, how I came to hear about it eventually get, um, it is a time of my life that's kind of hazy, but I remember being utterly encapsulated by it. The atmosphere in this game absolutely nails the, fe- uh, the feel they were going for. The sense of isolation and the fact that Isaac is an engineer and not strictly speaking, or not strictly speaking combat trained, means that you really, really feel like he's scrabbling his way through the entire game. The knowledge that the weapons feel very industrial just adds to that. Some of them feel like real weapons, but the majority of them feel like tools that happen to double up as effective weapons. And boy, does using these weapons to dismember enemies feel good. Definitely the first game I played where I could dismember enemies, and again it fed into the fact that it was a piece of incidental knowledge that you could use to your advantage. 
I'm a big fan of the industrial feel to the game. Makes me think of an early Nine Inch Nails or Fear Factory album. <laughs> but I understand that's totally idiosyncratic of me. It feels rough, raw, and makes you feel very vulnerable. It's oppressive, and I love it. Personal highlight would be the moment where you first walk into the Leviathan boss fight arena. The lights come up and you see this behemoth, screen-filling boss. Blew me away. As for the collective universe, I've never read any of the books because I haven't heard enough to praise enough praise to warrant buying them. I've only seen the first animated film, though I own the second one, but I'm not as keen on the style of animation, so it'll be the one I get to eventually. Uh interjecting um <laughs> don't bother watching the second oh. one <laughs> uh, unless you want to torture yourself um mm-hmm. so he continues the first film was brilliant and has a very aliens vibe to it in the way that it's a ragtag bunch of soldiers that get them or that get their asses handed to them uh yeah we agree we agree wholeheartedly <laughs> with that statement. they all die <laughs> the first two dead space games are games of all time for me the less said about three the better uh, oh. thanks thanks uh morbid beard for thanks that, josh uh, lengthy um comment uh and we, we um tried to address some of this um as we went through the podcast uh yeah so the the second film uh don't bother the books um at least martyr um we're recommending and Absolutely. i think we'll take a look at catalyst or at least i know i will um and uh i'll let you know yeah um, definitely I don't know, uh, Stephen. You've said you've you've saying some praises about three. Um, so what, what's yeah, your like, what's your verdict on that? It's not it's not anywhere near as good uh, as one and two, but it's not near as any. It's not anywhere near as bad as people say it is because it does a lot of stuff where you are kind of using more like weapon like gun like weapons in that game there's a really cool customization factor to it where you're actually kind of just making up and smashing together different weapons is really uh interesting and the way that they use the co-op is also uh pretty neat because one character will be hallucinating while the other isn't and that will affect certain segments of the game uh and also like it's mildly it's not open it's not open world but like you're the first half of it is you going around uh space going to these different ships deciding if you want to go into different ships to get different supplies before moving the story forward so there's interesting things and then i really like the way it all kind of culminates in the the final dlc that they they released for it where the brethren moon uh show up and uh earth gets destroyed so spoilers for that (laughs) Every like the Earth becomes a giant necromorph planet. So great. Yeah. So is it the uh, is it the Dark Souls three of Dead Space? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not anywhere near that bad. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, then it, yeah, it sounds like you're you're just slightly recommending this. Um, so yeah, Josh, uh, number three maybe is not as bad as you've heard. Uh, also, I bought it for five dollars, so it's not. Well, there bad. you go. Uh, yeah, if you can, if you can get it on a deal, um, even better. And I think uh, you probably can at this point. It's been out for some years. Yeah. So I think that uh, any any uh, anything else you guys want to discuss briefly before we uh, call this one a day? Uh, no. Other than just like it, it's so funny. It took me so long to realize that this is a really awesome Lovecraft series because you know so that everyone says about Bloodborne. It's what I say about. Them. That's a that's a game that really gets the Lovecraft horror right. I think this does too, 
on the body horror end of it uh leading into the existential horror um so just yeah like that if if you have not given dead space a chance and you like lovecraft you should definitely like at least do a lore dive on dead space because there's a lot of really cool story stuff that that takes place and matt matt what do you uh what do you think i've really enjoyed reading it uh, Marta and and watching the movie on this one, I think it's really like I said before. I'm really looking forward to getting into these games now. It's sort of one of those franchises where I've sort of, I think I feel bad that I've passed over it a lot and just sort of thought, yeah, Dead Space. I've heard things about it and just never really given the time to it. And I I think I feel a bit bad for that. But I'm now I've I've, I've I deliberately own all three of them now, so I'm going to over the next sort of few months going to smash through them <laughs> that is definitely what i'm going to do i think i think i would i would be gutted if i didn't do that because i feel that through reading Marta and, and like i said covering the film i'm really feel involved in this now and i feel like i'm really missing out so yeah i'm now going to play them for sure yeah and i think i'll i'll echo that statement and uh since you said these are part of the, the xbox one backwards compatible um line of games uh i'll uh i'll take a look around and see if i can pick up at least um at least the first one and yeah. uh give it a, a a solid go versus the, the 10 minutes I was <laughs> doing. um on the on a tangent um i picked up um aliens isolation like right when it came out and i don't know maybe i did like an hour or two into that and then i just it just got kind of nerve wracking, so I just didn't play uh, too much more. Uh, and I think um, maybe both of those game attempts um, might be better served on, um, if not this podcast, uh, a discussion on another one. So I'll yeah. I'll keep that in mind. And um, yeah, I <laughs> I really enjoyed um, getting into this franchise, and I'm really happy that they did what they did with the media tie-ins as multimedia efforts. Um, I'd like to see other games uh, do the same thing or something similar. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's a lot of Japanese titles that they do this. It just doesn't head over to the West. Um, uh, A lot of this tangent stuff um, gets sort of brushed off um, uh, out this way. And it's it's kind of a shame. Um, But as we can see with even this franchise, there's... um, quality i don't know if it's quality control issue um but not all of the tie-ins are maybe worth um, the time and money that it would take to invest into them um we can wholeheartedly um recommend checking out um dead space martyr and downfall and uh we'll take a look at catalyst maybe um, maybe we won't return to this series um on a future episode simply because there's not uh, there's not a lot of other um, necromorphs to, to kind of really cover. Um, mm-hmm. And right. it's really just the, the concept of them um, that I think we wanted to take a look at. But uh, we do uh, have our first blog entry, uh, courtesy of <laughs> Matt. And maybe, hey. maybe the review hey. for Catalyst <laughs> will pop up. Um, oh, on that'd there. be cool. That would be good. I like that idea. So, yeah, I think we're. Uh, we're we're right on time. Um, amazingly, let's for uh, once. <laughs> <laughs> let's wrap this up. Um, Stephen, where can we find you on the interwebs? 
On the interwebs, I am mainly on Twitter. Uh, that is at StepsVayu, S-T-E-P-S-V-A-Y-O-O. Uh, and my general musings and just like tweeting about whatever I'm playing at that time or what I what I find very funny uh, in the <laughs> game is there's you know always plenty of fodder of of people being very silly uh, <laughs> on the internet. No, no way. <laughs> <laughs> and Matt, where are you? Uh, you can. I uh, where am I? I'm in. Recording studio number two. Oh, no, not that one. Um, I'm, <laughs> oh, you can find me on Twitter at Ninja Badger 7, the number seven. Uh, feel free to add or chat. Um, I'm usually, I'm in the same circles as these guys, these reprobates. Um, uh, yeah, I've got a few things in the pipeline. Said, got a YouTube channel in the pipeline, got a podcast in the pipeline, but I won't say anything yet because it's being formalized as we speak. Nice Watch this space. Watch this space. Watch this dead space. <laughs> oh. All the jokes are being saved for the end now. Yeah. I'm running out of material. I'm running out of material. Dave, where can people find you? You can find me at sentinot underscore plus on Twitter. Um, as usual, uh, that'll be in the notes. <laughs> <laughs> that'll uh, be on your I'll- tombstone, Dave. Yeah, I know. It's be on- <laughs> that'll be in the notes. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'll, Sorry, that's, that's uh, I'll, really morbid. I'll, I'll put everyone's Sorry. links um, in there, and like I said, I'll uh, I'll plug that uh, Oats Studio short um, there as well. Uh, I think that that wraps it up um, for this episode. Uh, so, dear listener, um, this is a goodbye uh, for now, and we will see you next week. Bye, 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 everyone. Bye, bye.